0: Welcome to the Soul Connection Duo podcast.
1: We are your hosts, Alexa and Sydney, and we are so excited to have you here with us today. Get ready to connect to your soul and start healing within. Today, our guest is Athena Lads. Athena is a spiritual dream teacher, depth psychologist, and author of The Alchemy of Your Dreams and the Deliberate Dreamers Journal. She has helped thousands of people worldwide to discover the depths of their psyches and spirit. Through the medium of dreams, symbols, metaphors, and imagery. Her work is designed to help you remember your own ability to understand and use the language of the soul and spirit for the benefit of your well-being and life, as well as for the benefit of the entire collective. Here is our interview with Athena, where she shares her extensive knowledge on DreamWork with us. Okay, well, we'll maybe just get right into it. So welcome. Thank you so much. Um, would you like to tell us just a little bit more about yourself obviously we know you're a psychologist also a a spiritual dream teacher Um, so you can just tell us a little bit about your journey and how you found this type of
2: work so I've always had very um, meaningful dreams and when I was much much younger like I'm talking before I was even a teenager, I'd really pay attention to my dreams um, because I often had dreams that would come true. And at the time being a child, I really didn't think anything of it. And as I got older, I realized that that was something that most people wouldn't either admit to um, or people weren't paying enough attention to their dreams and then I was very very interested in personal growth spiritual self-help self-help and in my 20s I went through a patch where I just had no idea what to do with my life so I wasn't one of those people who had it all figured out way way early you know and um, so I actually enrolled for bu- business school and I lasted about three months in the program and I just had this full body know that I was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing and I dropped out and during that time I did all sorts of like odd jobs and I went traveling and someone um handed me a book, uh, a Louise Hay book called You Can Heal Your Life. And I mean, it's like a very, uh, most people know it, right? It's such a prolific uh, self-help book, especially back back then. Like this was about 17 years ago. So it's been a while. And I read the book and I realized like, well, that's what I want to do. I want to Um, pursue psychology I want to blend in spirituality but it took me time um, to really really take the two worlds and 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 sort of join them together
1: right and do you find a lot of psychologists kind of do end up exploring like either dream work or other things that are kind of spiritual or do you guys talk about that in school or what was that experience like I'm just super curious about
0: that
2: So my experience, it's so funny, someone else asked me this on a podcast, right? And my training, I trained in South Africa before I immigrated to the States. So my licensing to become a psychologist was all done there. And South Africa is an incredible place because the schooling is actually amazing. Um, But my feeling of it was that I went to university and didn't feel comfortable enough to really talk about... uh, openly talk about spiritual matters. But I think that might have been me as opposed to the environment. And so this is something that I come back to, because I th- I think if the environment's very open, then yes, you know, you feel comfortable enough. And invited into the space to talk about it so my experience in my undergrad was that I did not really speak to anyone who was training to become a psychologist about spirituality but I had a very close group of friends um, who all knew me and then people kind of knew that that was what I was into so that people who were interested would then come up to me and speak to me about it, and so that was kind of how I found my pathway. Um, in terms of you know whether people whether other psychologists do, I think that's fundamentally changed. Um purely because of social media and I think that as the world opened up and you you hear so many more voices there's so many psychologists who are interested in the world of spirituality as well as the the mind the psyche what kind of makes us do what we do so I didn't find that resonance when I was training to become a psychologist but I definitively found it after Um, and I would say that there is a group of it I still think when it comes to dream work though my experience of it in terms of it being in an academic realm like lucid dreaming is still such a new um notion in the west and the there's tons of research being done by great schools right there's a um, they're actually running a great conference. It's called the Interna- International Association for the Study of Dreams, and that's like some of the best dream experts in the world. Um, but they very much focus on building the body of research so that we can know, um, you know, scientific facts about lucid dreaming, what happens to us with our body. And I'm interested in all of that. I like to have science. I like to have the facts behind me, and I like to also explore. And- and experience it from a spiritual and psychological perspective so i'm very very interested in the broad spectrum of it and i do think as the as people start talking about it more i think we will see more psychologists in this space um but it's still early early days and then there are other schools of thought that completely disagree with it um so it's been interesting <laughs>
1: yeah it's funny actually before we um talk before you logged on to chat with us we were talking about whether there is like a lot of research being done on this so that answered one of our kind of pressing questions that we were interested in asking you so yeah.
2: um, brilliant <laughs> I mean it's it's quite amazing so the there's research now that's just come out um, and they're trying to I think they're trying to make it a, a sort of modality that really people pay attention to and they're calling it lucid dream therapy and i think that's just so amazing because i think that you know the research backs it in terms of the psychology and the science of the body right of what's happening um, neurologically speaking so <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah that's super cool and i think really important that we are looking into that more because there is so much going on in the brain um, while we're resting and exactly. um, reading your book or on audiobook, I guess, Um, I'm learning a lot about the dream world and how that can actually affect you in your waking life. Um, Before we get too much into the topics in the book, can you just explain what lucid dreaming is? I think some of our listeners might not quite know what it is.
2: Sure. So a lucid dream is a dream in which you find yourself aware of the fact that you're actually dreaming so your body is sound asleep if someone walked into the room and saw you they would see you sleeping hopefully calmly and peacefully Um, but your mind or actually your consciousness is awake to the fact that you're dreaming and so that's the most simple explanation of a lucid dream but it is a very small definition of it because lucid dreaming is something that links into dream yoga and it's, so the definition expands, right? And, and I guess we'll explore that as we talk a bit further. So not to inundate people with too much <laughs> information.
1: And so for, in regards to lucid dreaming, obviously it's something that people need to practice. And I know in your book too, you talk about like um, kind of practices and suggestions to help people with this. Do you mind just explaining some of
2: that? Sure. So the idea with this, right, is that you practice to become lucid in a dream um, for multiple reasons, right? So in the lucid dream space, in the dream world, we are we have access to unlimited creativity. We can receive solutions and guidance that go well beyond the mind. Um, we can also just feel better, um, you know, and, and that's such a huge one, just feeling better. So I had a... Um, I worked with someone once who was severely depressed, and he, in his waking life, he just could not shake it. He could not shake it. And he had a spontaneous lucid dream where he found himself flying. And the feeling state, he managed to hold on to the feeling state on waking, right? And it was so profound for him because it just shifted it completely because he could, he actually felt it. It wasn't something that he needed to tell himself to do. He, he really felt a full embodied, experience of that so knowing why you want to lucid dream leads into the practice of it right and so for anyone listening to this one of the most helpful ways to start a practice of lucid dreaming is simply by becoming more mindful in your waking life because what you're trying to do is you're trying to focus your awareness and your consciousness and you are trying to develop meta awareness so awareness around what you think how you feel um the re- the reality that you find yourself in um both in dreams and life so the best way to practice is simply by being more mindful so something that anyone can do who's listening to this now is just to begin to focus the environment that they find themselves so i'm sitting on a chair and i've just realized like it's relatively hard like my back feels comfortable but my butt doesn't okay i'm mindful of that just really simple things and if you do that often throughout the day what happens is that kind of thinking that kind of presence of consciousness and awareness follows through into sleep And then that naturally helps you to hopefully spontaneously become lucid in your dreaming. And then there are lots of practices that people can do. And I share quite a few of them, like you guys were saying earlier in the book, right? Where if someone's wanting it not to leave it to chance, you can begin to practice um, how to move your consciousness through waking life into sleep and into dreaming, but without losing awareness, Uh, much like shamans have done for... For a very long time.
0: Yeah, I think there's really a lot of great tips. I haven't personally been able to get to the point of lucidity yet, but I have been um, dream journaling as you suggest in in the Brilliant. book as well. And that even that alone, I think, is really helping me to remember my dreams a bit better. Um, and yeah, because I've never been a person who remembered many dreams. I think in my early like childhood days, I, I very often don't remember much of what happened. I'd have a few recurring and I, other than that i feel like i remembered like any scary dreams and that was it
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so normal this right so many people um feel this way i've gone through severe patches of not remembering and i just want people to know that like this is really normal and when you begin to do kind of exactly what you were saying where you dream journal i think it what it does is it creates a link and um, it's almost like you you know you're trying to if you were trying to speak to someone on the other side like someone who's holding up a telephone right I see it as like an old school telephone you actually have to pick up the other phone and you have to get into a dialogue and when you begin to dream journal it's almost like you've picked up the phone right so it takes practice in um, priming the mind to remember there's also something that's really helpful and I can't remember who proved this Um, I'm sure I've I probably referenced it somewhere, but um, she, this woman, she showed us that like, if you're struggling to remember your dreams, when you wake up, the moment you wake up, the instinct is usually to move your body. Um, And when you move your body, it often throws the dream out because it's not stored into your memory, right? Your long-term memory. So if you can wake up and remain still just for like a couple of seconds and replay, whatever you can remember, it really, really helps in increasing um dream recall and it's like a simple thing that if you do a couple of times becomes quite normal
1: right yeah so kind of practicing and continuing to kind of have that routine I guess and for some of us too that maybe have a hard time remembering our dreams or people that take things for sleep um I have a lot of like sleep issues so I do take um usually cannabis at night or I was prescribed other things I'm assuming Mm -hmm that would affect people's ability to dream as well right like right. um yeah I, I don't know what's your take on that as like a psychologist I guess as well because like I don't remember anything and I'm like is it the medication or is it because um like I'm not um you know what I mean like it obviously yeah yeah, yeah. practice behind that
2: I, I sometimes think it's I actually think it's dependent on the person right Um, and there's there are links to it that like when you take medication if you take an over counter sleep tablet sometimes that'll make people have really vivid dreams Mm -hmm. and other times it makes people feel like they don't dream at all Um, as far as I know and this is something that I would probably have to go and re-look at um, in terms of the medical side of it that I don't think it ceases dreaming. I think you still remember, you know, you're still actually having dreams and we actually have dreams in REM sleep and non-REM sleep, right? Which is also like a fallacy. Most people believe that we only have them in our REM periods of sleep, right? So over the course of the night, even with medication, you're likely having dreams, but it's that um, that kind of dulling, that dull, that dulling feeling that you get, right? Um, where, where I think it does influence it, and so I think if you are someone who's wanting to do dream work, right, but you're struggling with sleep, my. My instinct is to just say, take it really slow, because dreaming is a lifelong practice. And it's well, it's something that happens w- whether you pay attention to it or not. And so if you're wanting to work with your dreams and you're really struggling, you're having like a week that feels off, then I would just take the pressure off and write down whatever you can remember in the morning, if anything. And I would also practice in seeing, like, okay, what's my recall like? If I take this, um, someone was telling me the other day about like these cannabis gums that they were taking and they were feeling so great but it completely annihilated their sleep life and so they managed um they learned what worked for their own body you know and I think this is also where you're stepping into the realm I think of more uh, medicine in terms of like a, maybe what a GP would do yeah. um so I think you work with both right work with both you see what works for you get really good information from someone who can help you with the physiology of it, right? Like my expertise actually lies in the psyche and the spirituality of it, not really just the body stuff. But I think it's like throw everything that you can at it and see whatever sticks um, so that you can get the benefit of your dreams, you know?
1: For sure. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And why do you think we dream? Obviously, I think we kind of have really dove deep into this spirituality. So I'd love to hear your
2: opinion on that. My feeling of it is that I think, I believe in what the ancient traditions have told us about dreaming. Almost every single culture speaks about dreaming as being a link to the spirit world or where our soul um, leaves our body and we venture out into wide, vast consciousness of of the whole world of what is. And so for me, that really is the purpose of dreaming. And I think that we are, um, I was talking, Uh, with my I run these dream groups and I was talking with some of the women that had joined the one circle and I was saying it's so amazing for me because dreaming is that yes when you connect nightly you're actually in my opinion connecting to spirit you're connecting to the universe if you can lucid dream you are taking your practice into a very um, sort of high order space. Um, and at the same time, you have to know what you're bringing to the table. So like much like you sit in a meditation practice, right? And you can have a good day or a bad day. So, you know, say you're feeling frustrated and you sit down and then all these thoughts are coming. You've got to know what you're bringing to the table, but then you can tap into that energy that feels very comforting and supportive. And dreaming's the same. We dream with spirit it but we also have our psyche we don't cease to to I guess think in a way when we dream and so for me that's what I wanted to really offer people when I wrote my book because I think so many people talk about it from one perspective or the other but not both and we've all had those experiences right where we say you've watched something a bit overwhelming just before you fall asleep and then you have like anxiety-based dreams the whole night but then you can also have this profound experience where you see say a late loved one or you meet with a guide or you dream of something that comes to pass and so it's for me it's both right so it's a it's quite a big question um (laughs) (laughs) but that is that's where I stand with this I guess
0: I love that. And there are so many like different themes and things that your dreams can show you or places that they can take you. And I know, well, all of us, I'm sure have had these like more profound experiences in certain dreams or see, like you say, a past loved one or have these mm-hmm. really memorable experiences. And oftentimes that can lead to changes in our waking lives. Fully, exactly
2: what you're saying, right? And I think quite profound changes. So if you're working with, you know, you have a repetitive dream that comes up, say, for example, and you begin to work with it in your waking life, um, you're dreaming it for a reason. And then the You know, so the minute you start to pay attention to it, the minute you try and work with it, you see active change because you're seeing it, you're doing something different. Right. And that's what I love about dreaming. Like, there's not that you don't need anything outside of you you don't, you know, the most you actually need is paper and pen. I mean, I know I've created a journal. So if anyone wants a dream journal, please go have a look. But at the end of the day, that's all you need. You can wake up and you have this, you you know, you have this infinite well of guidance and inner wisdom that you can tap into nightly. And for me, that's just so amazing.
0: And how did you begin to interpret both your own dreams and then like dreams for um, through psychology and people that were coming to you? You've got so many really neat examples in in the book throughout the book that it's like listening to them. I can relate to some of them and others. I'm like, okay, that's it's just cool um, the way that you interpret them. So how do you start you. doing that?
2: So it's, it was kind of interesting for me when I was in, when I became, when I was training to become a psychologist, we actually didn't focus on dream work, not in my training. And then I got my master's and I got placed in hospitals. And at the time in South Africa, um, there's a lot of trauma-based stuff that comes into the clinic. So I mainly actually dealt with trauma clients um, that will come in day in, day out. But at the same time, I've always had a, a huge love for depth psychology symbolic work like I love symbols I love what the psyche shows us through symbols and I love how that links to the language of intuition and dreaming right so in my sort of um, early practice I didn't really work with dreams I worked with dreams for people close to me but not really with clients or one-on-one and then I um, knew that I wanted to Write a book. I got a a huge inner call to take my work to a different space, and so I moved into private practice. And then at the same time, I started um, this AthenaLairz.com, and that's how I began to work with people from a symbolic level through dreaming. Um, And then the the interesting thing for me was that I probably could have been doing that much earlier anyway, Uh, but for now it's been years and years anyway. But it's it's so my path was was definitively not linear in that way you know um so that's kind of how yeah um
1: i think i know when i was listening to your book and i jotted down a note because i wanted to ask you about this since (laughs) it's brought up trauma might as well just ask you now, okay. <laughs> um, I went through a traumatic event a, a few years ago and a, a yeah. loss, and I remember you explaining it in your book, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's called a tidal wave dream, is that correct?
2: Right.
1: Um, so it's like your mind's ability to create a new image of like the trauma or the event that happened, is that correct? Do you mind talking yeah. a bit about how that works? And like, because I know after that happened, I, in my dreams would relive the event over and over over and over again and then wake up obviously in panic and in fear and sure. I don't know if that's maybe more of like a nightmare I don't know if we can get into
2: that sure, but sure like with me. pleasure well sorry that you went through that right um the two the two things here: yeah. the tidal wave dreams um people who research dreams the great academics who spend their time teaching us all about these they found that People all over the world would have experiences where they would dream of tidal waves, right? Actual tidal waves, or they would be chased by militant groups of men, or it's a very intense kind of imagery and they list them, right? And I think I list a couple of what those are in the book as well. I can't remember all of them offhand, Mm -hmm. but the idea with the tidal wave dream is that it is a dream. It's a nightmare right? It's a nightmare that floods you with terror and usually helplessness, right? So all of us, well, anyone listening to this, even now we can imagine like if we were about to see a tidal wave come at us, like, what are you going to do? You know, they—that is probably one of the most like uh, help helpless positions you can be in. And so, what happens when that comes up for you when you're having a dream like that? Especially if you have experienced trauma. So specifically trauma, right? This isn't for someone who just randomly has a tidal wave dream, um, because sometimes I think we can also be linked into a collective um experience. So if an actual tidal wave comes up and happens, but that's a whole other different story, right? But so you what happens with trauma is your mind your psyche attempts to keep you safe right that's why you can often dissociate people you can't you can't remember what happens and you will maybe relive it through your dreams but there's a period of numbness that comes up and what the psyche is trying to do is it's trying to balance and heal that trauma and so you have a dream like that that helps you process the emotional stance of what's going on but it still feels incredibly overwhelming and this is where lucid dream therapy and I'm talking strictly now from a psychological perspective right what these researchers are trying to do is they're trying to show people that if you're having trauma dreams like that you can interrupt them by becoming lucid so you find yourself terrorized by something that's happened in the past. But if you can recognize that you're dreaming, you can shift the entire dreamscape. And what happens when you do that is one, you're changing the narrative, right? So you begin to heal the narrative of what's happened. And I think there's a level of um you know it's almost like the grief stages that you go through. You know, so you're not in denial, you're not avoiding it, you're accepting what's happened, you move through the emotion of it and then You go through the phases of kind of healing. So there's that, right? If you've experienced. And there's multiple trauma, you know, you can have like one trauma, there's something that happens to you once it's quick, and it's fast, or not even fast, but it's a singular event, right? Or you can have something called complex trauma. And that's something that happens over time, and, and is repetitive. And so that's different people who have that kind of experience are un, probably quite unlikely to have tidal wave dreams, or that they might have PTSD, and then they will have traumatic dreams. So it's a very nuanced. But for anyone reading that who's right, like you were sharing your experience, the idea with that is that your mind, you're not experiencing this dream to be punished, your mind is actually trying to help you, it's trying to help you process what you've gone through, and it's trying to keep you safe, and it does that through the process of showing you specific images and so I think if you can work with those images but specifically work with someone and this is where I'm a huge advocate for taking that into a room with someone where you can sit face to face with the person a a psychologist someone you feel comfortable with and you can work out the imagery that's coming up because i think with trauma having to go at it alone is incredibly hard um, and i think being supported is one of the most helpful things that you can do right um so so those are those kind of dreams and they're huge applications but for anyone listening if you don't have resources if you can't that's not an option for you if you can practice lucidity you can give yourself another option for healing Um, and and it is quite profound like there's uh, someone at the moment has had works with veterans who have experienced severe PTSD from being in intense war environments and the people who managed to lose a dream their dreams the nightmares the panic attacks that come with it all the symptoms right of the trauma like dissociating they managed to heal them quite quickly because they you shift your psyche you know
1: it's almost like healing in a way <laughs> like it is yeah i go to counseling and do emtr and things to process right. that trauma but i never really thought of it in that sense now that you explain it it makes complete sense why i was my brain is trying to process oh. kind of what happened and help help me along but now that you're explaining that right. that, that makes a lot of sense so thank you
2: <laughs> i yeah and i think this is also something right i think we can we have like sometimes We have have an image of what healing needs to be. And sometimes one thing can be very helpful at one point in time and then You might revisit something, you know, so you heal a specific type of relationship pattern, say, you know, and then like, say, six or seven years down the line, you repeat it, but to a lesser degree. And so one healing thing that something that really helped you earlier might not really help you at that point in time. And I think that's where the fluidity of healing and spirituality comes really in handy really handy because you're working with how you're developing as a person and actually how your consciousness is changing. So you're not reacting from the same place.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And all these different um like collective symbols and dreams that come up all around the world for different people, I think that part is just it's kind of crazy when you look into it. But it makes sense because if we're all from the same source somewhere then it makes sense that collectively we would have the same images coming up and um, when there's these big events happening across the globe like you often hear about people and I know you had some examples of that as well in the book like Mm 9-11 all a whole bunch of people reported kind of having foresight to that through their dreams
2: dreams right and i think for me so i mean for me that's such an incredible thing as well like what you're saying you know that if we are all connected that something that's happening in japan even though you're not influ- you know you're not directly affected in your everyday life but maybe on a soul level on a spirit level yes you are because they're suffering all over the you know that that person might feel suffering but also ease it's a it is quite amazing that and the imagery is also where most people come to find like what's co- you know commonly people speak about archetypes right so you have you know whatever kind of archetypes but they are collective images that we can tap into and collective symbols that we can tap into when we do this kind of work right um but with the personal link to them
1: mm-hmm. Um, I think we're both super curious so I'll just sure. ask the question some of the <laughs> sim- symbolism behind our dreams. so what are some common symbols in dreams or things that come up? I don't know if there is like things that are more common than others, but kind of a few examples of meaning behind them. I know Lex has one specifically she wants to ask you um, <laughs> that's been coming up for her but yeah
2: do you want to just ask and then we can sure yes yeah, sir. <laughs> sure my my
0: one thing that I keep having dreams that I'm camping so like whether I'm at a lake house or tenting or but I'm out in nature with a group of people and I'm camping in like at least once a week if not more than that
2: um, um, yeah. and, but, and the what's the emotional tone of the dream what does it feel like when you're doing it What does it change
0: um usually it's like good like all good vibes, just kind of with people hanging out. There's been a few where it's more like it feels a little bit heavier, but for the most part, it's just like
2: a good yeah,
0: People are there, and I'm out,
2: out doing the camping, camping thing. <laughs> I think that we're being called collectively now to pay attention to nature, and I think that when you have a dream like this, where you campaign, but you're in community, you're safe in the wild, right? So there's a thing about being safe within the wilderness within. So you can be, you can look at that in that way, you know, and this, or it's the wilderness without, or it's both. And I think that's something, right? You always want to see where you are in your life when you begin to interpret a dream. And so that's when I deviate from like the common, common meanings associated with things, right? Those are very helpful. I'm actually all for dream dictionaries. People are always surprised by that. Not not because I think people should believe the meaning, but because they begin to help us prime our thinking with it, right? So I would say to you, what is, have you had camping experiences in real life? Why why do you think you're having this right now, um, this dream right now, right? But so just as an outsider coming in, I would say it's definitive. Well, definitively is a strong word, but it's about the wild right and being connected to it but safe at the same time if you were in the wild and you were having to like carve out a hut and um do like a survival thing or whatever the tone of the dream the meaning could change entirely right
0: yeah no I love that that definitely does resonate in terms of like I did I grew up camping and stuff too like and I've always had a strong connection to the outdoors so I think it's just good to hear that i do have a dream journal and that was one of the things that came up a lot of times and it is not in the dream journal they have like all of the other places you can possibly stay but not <laughs> not camping Not camping.
2: <laughs> <So>. right yeah <laughs> so you, you you will well good thing we're talking
0: yes exactly <laughs> i was super in, interested to ask you that because it just continues to come up and I've been trying to dive into it as I uh, write in my dream journal when I do remember my dreams. So
2: right. thank you. Well, sure. I think also the fact like when something comes up for us, Over and over, there's really something here to pay attention to. And usually what happens, right? So say because we've been speaking about it now, and I've been saying to you, okay, well, it might be about the wild within or connecting to nature or revisiting past places because you do actually have a real life link to it, right? You might now you've spoken about it, you've paid some attention to it. So on a psyche level, you've kind of taken in some information and your psyche will adapt to that. And so it'd be very curious for you to see if your dreams shift and change now, or if you have another camping dream, but that it goes a bit further, you know? So I always tell people like, and this is something that I think is very helpful. You wanna look at your dream as a whole picture. So even though you might have like one repetitive symbol that comes up over and over, you gotta look at the story and how it links you know through through a series of events right yeah.
1: and when you're trying to recall your dream or you're journaling and jotting things down what are some important things that you should write down like Sure. what should you include in that or just like whatever you can think of as quickly as possible before you forget
2: (laughs) so there's definitely that right um i think the main things to write down are the key places the symbols the people but also like what you're saying if you know you can write down um you know camping comfortable bob um you know transport a mode of transport that that can help you remember the dream fully, that's really, really helpful. And in my dream journal, I I actually outline places for people where you can write themes that come up, all the symbols, all the places, all the people, but also importantly, how you feel. So the feelings state that you wake up in or the general feeling tone of the dream is also very, very helpful. So I would say for someone, if you can't remember everything fully, but you can kind of remember the feeling, that's a very, very helpful place to begin.
1: And what is your What is your dream journal called? Uh,
2: it's called the Deliberate Dreamer's Journal.
1: Okay, cool, awesome. Thank you. Okay. And what are some other different types or classifications of dreams? We've talked about like lucid dreaming. Um, I guess like the tidal wave dreaming. Are there other like classes or different
2: types of dreams that people experience? Or yeah, so they they loads right, and I think the um the more you begin to work with the spirit world consciousness and your psyche you begin to see that your dreams um, their total their classifications but it's very much like waking life right so we have nightmares we can have warning dreams and um, we can have prophetic dreams dreams of the future um, symbolic dreams we know those right lucid dreams and then we can also go beyond lucid dreaming um, where you don't dream of symbols but you are in a space where your consciousness is still alert and awake and so that takes you into the realm of dream yoga and that is um also i guess a type of classification although not one that's relatively well known i would say in the west um so and also one that's really interesting and i was speaking to someone about this the other day is announcing dreams for women when they fall pregnant Um, So many people around the world experience a dream where they'll find out that they're pregnant in the dream, or they'll be given a name of their child, or they'll see an image or something. And so those announcing dreams are also quite amazing. Mm
1: -hmm. I actually was working as a maternity nurse. I've been on medical leave the last couple of years, but I do know that a lot of us nurses or the patients would talk about like oh, so have you been dreaming that you're having a boy or dreaming that Uh you're having a girl? And usually like the moms would be right because they had been dreaming like, oh, I'm going to have, I'm having this boy. And that's exactly what happened. So
2: it's amazing, right? And I think it's, I think for people what happens, because I think we actually have that experience probably two or three times a week Mm -hmm. where we can actually dream of what comes to pass. But I think because we don't focus on, I think most people can't, don't, or haven't learned how to focus on their dreaming that they only pay attention in pivotal moments. So like when you're pregnant or, um, you know, and they're usually big dreams. They're very loud dreams. There's also a, a very interesting book called on, and I'm terrible with titles, but it's written by a man called Thomas Kerr and he he runs a hospice um in buffalo and all his patients would have near death dreams and not all of them but they did research on it of people knowing that either they were going to pass away when they were going to pass away having loved ones come and comfort them because they were feeling discomfort about the fact that they you know in a hospice terminally ill and all the nurses there, exactly kind of like what you're saying they all knew so he got into um Hospice as a student, well, not a student, but like an intern, I guess. And the nurses would tell him, Well, you know, this 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 patient's gonna pass away because he dreamt of his grandmother. And he was like, What the hell are you talking about? Like, you know, coming from a, a very strict medical kind of background and and as he he's experienced more, you know, I like guess life and patience and all of that, he wrote an entire book trying to wake up people to the fact that we can have these experiences and that they don't need to be marginalized out, right? Because a lot of the time he was saying that in um in some spaces people just think it's like a delusion, you know, like, okay, well, you're in pain, so you're kind of suffering and you're dreaming of something. But actually I think from a spiritual level, they're really profound. And if we can create spaces in communities where people can honor where people can honor their dreams I think we'll see a very different kind of society actually
0: yeah I, I think he has a podcast too I think I listened to it a while back and I was blown away by some of the stories of He's these amazing. patients yeah
2: do you remember what his book is called? Now it will irk me, but we <laughs> have to Google.
0: I know. I think I had him pulled up on one of my web browsers just recently because I was looking into whether we could maybe
2: get him on here. But he might well, be- that would be a great idea. <laughs> Out of
0: reach. We'll see. That's,
2: that's a dream. <laughs> we'll dream about it. You'll have to lo- learn how to lose a dream, go and find him in his dream space and wake him up. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he won't be able to avoid you.
1: You never know. It's actually funny. We had an interview, I don't know, a month or two ago, and we're like, we need to find someone because dreaming and dream work keeps coming up. And we're like, need to find someone that does this. Like, we really want to learn more about it. And then next thing you know, I found you and your book oh, and I was like, oh, I it'd be so cool to talk to <laughs> this amazing lady. Like this is Thank so you. cool. So you never know, maybe we will maybe eventually be able to I'm sure you
2: will. Why not? (laughs) It's an an email away. You know, I always say you can't know until you try and people might get back to you and say, you know, I'll come back in a year or two years whatever, but you don't know. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: (laughs) And you were talking about past loved ones um, before and just recently that come through in dreams. Um, We do know some people that we've talked to that um, have either like really felt like a very close connection, like physically while they've been dreaming with someone or um either i guess for us like signs now we'll notice them like through animals or things like that how do people that have passed come through in dreams is it do they come back and how we recognize them when they were here in the physical or as animals or how does that typically
2: has play right i think it's kind of exactly what you're saying i think spirit speaks to us in a way that we are most comfortable with And so I always say to people, you know, a lot of people are looking to have sometimes like a mystical experience, or at least that's in my frame of um, reality and the work that I do. But I often say like, if someone had to appear, say your dead grandfather had to appear in your kitchen whilst you're making something, right? Would you actually be ready for that? And most people say yes, but if you really think about it, some I think there's there would be some level of nerven- nervousness right so I think with dreaming when it comes to we're linking into this um, realm of consciousness we have access to multiple inner worlds that we can explore and I think that spirit speaks to us in a way that is comfortable so if that's in an image in a way that you see your whoever it is in the way that they looked um most accurately for you then yes that is it right or it could be an, an through an animal or through symbols also through symbols so i had an experience with the clients of mine i run a weekend retreats that i'm going to start reopen where people come and we do dream work but also the intention is to meet your guides through your dream space right through the dreamscape and i had an experience with um a woman who joined and we're having a great time. We did multiple things. We do dream interpretation in the morning. And she had this idea. She came into the retreat space with this idea that she just wouldn't be able to connect with her guides. It just was something that she didn't think would happen for her, right? But she wanted to. So there's that like ambivalence of like, I want to, but I'm, I don't know if this is actually going to happen or if it's really real or if I'm just making this up because I want this to be real, Um, which I think a lot of people can resonate with, you know? And so she had a dream the first night where she was sitting in a cafe in Paris and there was this like beautiful bouquet of lilies on the table and she woke up and she just thought about the lilies and she didn't think anything else about it, you know? And then she had another dream and she found herself in a field, a field full of flowers, woke up, didn't meet her guide, very disappointed. Third dream, kind of similar, left the retreat a week later, still hasn't met her guide. She's doing the practice in her waking life and her dream life. Super, super disappointed. And then she randomly got gifted a bunch of lilies, um, by a friend and then she she clicked that like she realized that actually the name Lily was really important and she didn't know her entire family line and she later found out that Lily was someone that was in her family line and so for her that experience right so you could look at it in so many ways she's not seeing that guide it's not a past loved one but it is some some type of connection to spirit that is meaningful and it came up in a way that i think because she was didn't really think it would maybe happen that it was the easiest way to communicate okay here's a bunch of flowers and then the synchronicity and waking life and so I would say to people it really really varies the experience that you can have when you're stepping into that realm but the thing that will not change and I really feel quite strongly about this is the resonance of it it feels loving and it feels good and it feels benevolent and positive it does not feel like anything other than that you know you can overanalyze it the next morning and put on a whole lot of emotions but in the moment of it it feels good um i also had a very, very interesting experience back way back when when i i ran a whole lot of interviews that i also did and i had the pleasure of speaking to um Jennifer Ashton, who's the ABC medical chief officer for one of the news, for the news channel, right? And this is years and years ago. And she went through a very tragic experience, which she also wrote a book on, um, where her ex-husband killed himself. He jumped off a bridge. And she said that she had this experience because she was so shocked at the, the fact that he had done this awful thing, right, to himself. But she said what had really killed her in her mind is that as a doctor, she knew what the impact would do to his body. And she felt like she could not find peace about this. She just could not find peace. And she told me that she had a dream where she saw him. She said she wasn't sure if she was fully dreaming, if she was like in the in-between stage of being awake or asleep. And she saw him sitting on the edge of her bed and he was wearing a particular outfit. And then later one of her friends, because um, she's a doctor, also a doctor, he managed to check the autopsy report and he was wearing those clothes when he jumped. And she didn't know that. Like she couldn't, she didn't know what he was wearing. So for her having that dream where she, saw him in that outfit, gave her great peace, right? So whether that is, you know, we can people can put whatever opinion they want onto that experience. But for her, it was deeply meaningful. Personally, I think she did see him. I think he went in spirit to comfort her. And I, I think that's what happened. But we are we're allowed to believe what we want to believe, right? So for whoever's listening to this, if that part sounds to out there or whatever it doesn't matter you you can decide what your dreams mean for you but for anyone interested in that kind of realm of it I would say that it always feels loving and comforting and supportive yeah that's yeah. I think
0: like it can be hard when we have these experiences even, even mm-hmm. just talking about them but then also feeling like maybe you're crazy when you mm-hmm. <laughs> have an experience of say a past loved one come visit you whether that's mm-hmm. in your dreams or you feel something come up in your waking life that is a true sign to you Um, I know like I one of my things is just the finding dimes around the place all over the place and my boyfriend is always like what are you doing with those dimes you're a crazy person and I mean I don't care I keep the dimes I I enjoy it and I say thank you to whoever has left them there for me but that can be tricky right depending on the views of the people around you
2: right and i i think as i've sort of gotten older and also i guess through writing the book i'm i really feel now that the most meaningful thing at least for me cuz that trickiness was something that i really struggled with like the opinion of like what will people say if you truly uttered what you thought um what would people sit next to you you know and i was always like probably not most people probably wouldn't but i think as you step into the authenticity of it that that is a relationship that's meaningful to you right so to have I have a relationship with spirit, which for many people will be very weird, right? But not denying it makes it more valuable because you begin to receive guidance in a way that is even more helpful so it's like you're not hot cold you know you're not like okay i'm gonna listen for this week because i'm in a really bad patch but next week when everything's working out it doesn't really matter and so i think that's also something you know like um the consistency in in more what like i guess it's reverence probably what i'm talking about but yeah
1: i think that like yeah i mean our spirit guides some people obviously have a hard time connecting with them like in our I guess waking life um mm-hmm. is it I guess easier when our ego and our consciousness like when we're asleep I guess to connect with them even if we're not totally aware of it because we're not you know what I mean Wait, yeah.
2: yeah yeah it's a great um so funny someone was we were I was saying this literally like two days ago in this dream we program that I do when your ego sleeps your soul source, right? It's easy for spirit to speak to you because you're not in that egoic, not egoic, but like yes, Mm -hmm. your conscious mind doesn't always get in the way. But I think when you how you fall asleep really influences that. So if you are if you don't have good sleep hygiene, it's very, very hard then because you're going into sleep with a chaotic mind. And I think if you can quieten your mind before you get in get into bed and sleep then it's even more meaningful because you've taken some action to really try and silence that like, in a, that critical thinking. Not critical thinking, the critical mind, right? I think critical thinking is actually very helpful. Um, but yes, so I would say that is it, you know? Um, and I do think it's also why you can have dreams that are so helpful, especially when you're in, in chaos, right? You could have a dream that's so meaningful that if you pay attention to it, the symbol will point the way out, you it'll give you a solution and that i don't think comes from i think it comes from everything that you're dealing with you know spirit and your psyche
1: yeah and so since you brought that up what are some things you would suggest for people when they're falling asleep to um, help with dreaming
2: and all that i think the main thing for me is that try and not look at your cell phone for at least an hour before getting into bed i think that's such a huge one because the tendency is to, I think for most people to scroll on social media or news or something that you are like lulling your consciousness. You're not really there, but you're not really not there at the same time. And so when you're wanting to practice dream work, that's really helpful and specifically lucid dreaming. I would say that is probably one of the mostly like the main thing that's probably helpful right there's lots of tips that other people say that they've also been proven like to sleep in a slightly cold room that does not work for me at all um if i'm cold i cannot sleep so i think it's also kind of you've got to work with what works for you a dark room and um Uh, you know, just as comfortable as you can be. But I think there's also something about setting an intention before you sleep so that you can remember your dreams or at least have some reverence for the idea that actually you are a, you might you're this you're these souls having this embodied experience and when you sleep and dream you connect to something that's supposed to be replenishing and very helpful and i think if you can remember that just before you sleep it really helps um because the dream world kind of expands because you're going into it with mindfulness you know mm.
0: right. i have found that that's helped just setting the intention before going to bed i don't remember all the time but when I do it so this does help me to remember in the morning I find
2: and I think that's it right like also to not feel too pressurized to have to remember everything right And um, because then I think also if you're feeling pressure that it is very it can feel so difficult then because it's like something that you're having to do right it becomes a stressful thing as opposed to something that you, res- you can just receive this. You don't actually have to be too active in it, right? So right. then 10 one is good. I'm glad to hear that actually works um, for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well,
1: thank you so much. We'd love to wrap this up for you to share a little bit about um, your how people can um, purchase your book. Do you offer like teachings in person or by Zoom with people? Um, just a little bit more about all
2: of your offerings thank you so the best place to start um for anyone who's listening is to go to my website um, and that's www.athenalaz.com and my book the alchemy of your dreams and the dream journal the deliberate dreamers journal is available everywhere um so you can pretty much get it anywhere it's being translated into lots of languages so that's also pretty cool if anyone's listening uh, to this and they would like to read it in a different language um, and then i am currently offering I will be offering in-person events, which I'm quite excited about, but the information for that will only come out at the end of July. So if people sign up to my email list, I don't blast people with tons of information, but it's a great way to keep up to date. Um, And I run a nine-month dream group, which is the most hands-on way to work with me. It's full for this year, but I'm taking spaces and people for next year. And then I have a monthly program called the dream collective that is also live on my website. Now it's just gone live. And the first it's an audio that I record monthly on the different types of dream archetypes that we can experience and the symbols linked to them. And what that potentially means for anyone listening. And it's going to be very much in the style of my book where I'll give examples and practices that people can do at home. And so those are all the ways that people can connect. (laughs)
0: Super cool. And you also have Instagram too, right? Yes, and I have Instagram. Oh my gosh,
2: thanks for reminding me. (laughs) My publisher will kick me for not remembering. No, not really. They're really sweet. Um, But it's Athena underscore Laz yeah awesome yeah that's where we found you (laughs) yeah it's exactly right i wouldn't forget the like main thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) i know where would we find people without instagram these days i don't know
2: (laughs) i also
0: be a lot more work i think googling and clicking on all the pages so we're thankful for instagram exactly (laughs) Um, and thank you so much athena for joining us today i think we both learned so much from you in this short time and i'm sure we could continue to pick your brain about all of the knowledge you have in there Uh, but we super appreciate you coming on today it's been
2: lovely thank you so much ladies it was wonderful speaking to both of you thank you for having
1: Thanks for listening. To support us, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. And we'll see you next week for our next episode of the Soul Connection Duo podcast.